Welcome to Lunch Break, a special weekly series of the Eternal Entrepreneur that gives you bite-sized pieces of wisdom on how to build a functional faith and business. Each episode unpacks a short, actionable topic you can put into practice this week. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for Lunch Break. I am Pierce Brantley, co-host of the Eternal Entrepreneur. And today, we're going to talk about the subject that is so dear to my heart, calling. What does it mean to have a calling? Friends, let me tell you something. We're going to get into it hard today and for the next few episodes because my heart is so burdened for the church and for the the individual in the church who is trying to understand, to discern, to decipher what it is they are supposed to do with their life. And unfortunately, there is a lot of misunderstanding both in the church and even outside the church as to what a calling is, what it really means to be called by God, and what it means to even work. All Christians have to work. That doesn't mean that they have to strive, if you know what I'm saying. And finding your calling, finding the thing that it is that God wants you to do with your life, that he is partnering with you in and is inspiring you unto, is going to be one of the most freeing restful, encouraging, freedom-bringing things that you could do in your life. And the great thing is that you can start today. So if you understand what your calling is and what you're called unto, your focus, your impact, and even your ministry in your business as an entrepreneur is going to be so much greater because you are not going to get sidetracked by every new inspirational whim or mission statement or refactoring of your business or new cause. You are going to be focused because you know what your life is unto. And so that's why I get so passionate about the subject. So what is a calling? So calling, the word is actually rooted in the Latin word of vocation. Isn't that cool? And it basically means to call or to summon. So a calling is simply, what is your life unto? What is it summoned unto? What has it been summoned into reality, into this existence, into this knowledge of Christ for? And here's the brilliant, simple truth. It's not unto a Myers-Briggs. It's not unto a billion-dollar business. It's not unto some disruptive idea or a, a thousand million Facebook followers. You were called in Christ, unto Christ, and into good works that glorify, punchline, Christ. That's all a calling is. The great thing about that is that it applies to every believer. There is this sense, and my heart is so burdened for it, that a calling is something that is given to a few in the church. And though we may never say that, we may never we may never have an us versus them mentality towards this idea of calling. The reality is that most of us pick up marketplace ministry or pick up volunteering at the church on the week weekends or pick up volunteering or or studying the spiritual gifts on the side in part out of guilt because we don't feel like we've ever understood exactly what it is the Lord wanted us to do with our lives. And so then out of a place of guilt, we go and practice the spiritual things on the side. Or 
though we may never articulate like that, what we try to do is just do the best we can with the time that we have. And those are all good things and come from a right place and a right mindset. But the good news is that there is more. Typically, the average believer, what they do is they wait for a mountaintop moment. They are, if you were to ask any believer off the street and say, hey, do you want God uh, to give you a calling? What are they going to say? They're going to say, absolutely. And then they're going to have some kind of secret guilt that they're not qualified to be called. But the reality is that you are called from the moment that you asked Christ into your life, from the moment you became a new creation, you are part of what the apostles talk about over and over again, where they say to all of you who are called in Christ Jesus, then litany of things that go along with that. So you right now in your current state, if you're a Christian, are called, you are called in Christ for Christ unto good works that glorify Christ. So to that point, the mountaintop moment, meaning the moment, if you can envision like Moses on Sinai, getting a download about everything that's supposed to happen from that point on, that's not typically how a calling works because we have full access to the Holy Spirit. So generally speaking, the Bible and Christ assume that you're in the state of calling. And the best way I can articulate this is if you look at the multiple times Jesus talks about the parable of the vine and the branches that we know so well, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. What does he mean by that? He goes on to talk about many times about how he expects the branches to bear good fruit. Otherwise, he's going to cut them off. And there's a lot of unpacking in that. And we should unpack it. Here's the reality. Being a branch, you and I are branches, right? We are connected to Christ, the vine. The sap of the spirit flows through us. A branch is both a state and an assignment. It's a state and an assignment. I cannot help but be a branch. I have been grown, or in my case, I've been grafted in uh, to the vine. That is my state. I am a grafted, growing branch. Praise God Almighty that Christ found me. There is another aspect to this, which is that I have an assignment as a branch to bear good fruit. Now, before that sounds like I'm putting a load on you or, okay, that's where kind of the anxiety and the guilt and the what am I supposed to do comes from. When we abide in Christ, what happens? The sap of the Spirit flows through this. We bear fruit. It's a natural thing. It's supposed to be a natural thing. But we're so disconnected, either from performance mindsets, anxiety about what God thinks about our lives, or this kind of separation between uh, the state of our work in the church, that we never actually begin to work in our calling and never know what it really means to have a calling. And so we're always in a spiritual disconnect, so to speak. And we have a spiritual atrophy in these things. I want to tell you guys a story, actually. And it's, it is a bizarre story. It's a true story, hand of God. I would not rank myself as one of these characters that has a lot of, say, biblical spiritual experiences. On the sort of spiritual ranking scale, I'd say I'm about average. That being said, I say that in jest, right? I'm not trying to actually rank myself. My point is, I've had a handful of spiritual experiences in my life that are uncommon. And I didn't do anything to start them, impact them, receive them. 
they just happened. And this is one that I want to tell you all about. It's in the first chapter of my book, Calling, actually. I go to, into it in a little bit more detail. But I was at a church in South Lake, uh, Texas, Gateway Church, therefore a kind of a, a mid of the week, I think it was a business conference type thing, one of the orientations. And I have a vision. And when I say vision, to be clear, I'm not talking about a daydream and I'm not talking about a spiritual imagination. What I experienced was something more similar to what you see in the Old Testament. Literally yellow, whitish, green lines open up like a TV screen in the middle of my face. They take up the entire stage. And then what looks more like a movie comes out of it, except for I step into it. And it's very much like what you would, when I'm assuming like in the Bible, when it talks about when different characters say, I don't know whether I was in the spirit or in the flesh, that's what it was. So it wasn't imagination, wasn't daydream. It was as much a present eye-opening experience, and it did feel a lot like kind of a TV screen opening up in front of me. It's bizarre. I get it. Here's what happened. So I start out, and I am placed back in East Texas, where I grew up, on a huge concrete slab that was on the land that I grew up on. And there's bricks everywhere. It's been disarray. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at kind of the state of things. A man shows up a little bit down the hill away from this slab with a huge hammer in his hand. It looked like a carpenter's hammer, but Thor-sized, if that makes any sense. It was oversized, and that was very apparent. I see him walking up. And then as he's walking up, basically, it fast-forwards, and he's right in front of me. And he puts out his hand, and he says... Give me the plans and I will build the house. And then I register that and don't know what to do with it. And I see again his hand out and he's holding this huge hammer and he goes, give me the plans and I will dedicate the house. Very calm, very open, but firm. It was an invitation is the best way to explain that. And then before I know it, TV screen in the sky closes up. I zoom out and all of a sudden I'm back sitting in South Lake, Texas. I get it. It's a spiritual experience. It's anecdotal. Do with it what you want. I've only had one of these in my life. What There's a lot of different parts of that that we could talk about, but there's something so important to that as it relates to calling that I feel like the Lord has impressed on me and shown in me in it. And it's that he gives us a foundation in Christ. And then that foundation, he wants us to dedicate our plans to the Lord so that he can build up his house in us and through us. We have a foundation in Christ. And most of us wait for both God to give us the plans and to build the house. And even in Proverbs, we're talking pre-physical revelation of Jesus on earth. Proverbs talks about Hey, if you dedicate your plans to me, I will help them prosper. Specifically, Proverbs 69 says that man plans his steps, but God directs and establishes his way. That's really good news, but there's a relationship there. There has to be plans to dedicate. If there are no plans to dedicate, there are no steps to establish. And the typical kind of church upbringing of the Christian has said, there are those who are chosen, there are those who are called, 
and then God plans and directs their steps. And the reality is that in Christ, there is a path forward. And the Lord is just asking us to dedicate our plans to him so that he can establish our way. And that's really good news because if you've been feeling as if there's a disconnect between the work you do during the day and the life that God is calling you unto, it all comes down to abiding. It all comes down to abiding. And if you know me, I'm a really big kind of proponent of urgency. And I'm not talking about anxious urgency. But just as the psalmist said, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me to be cognizant of my time here on earth. What does it mean to number your days? It means to have a sense that I only have a set amount of time here. And I want this life to be fully given to the Lord. And you can both fully work for the Lord and not work from him from a place of performance or needing to earn his approval. That's what a calling is because you have already earned the position, if that makes sense. Right now, even if you've done nothing with your life in Christ, you are king born into a royal priesthood. What does that mean? You have the ability to both rule and to minister. As an entrepreneur, you are called to rule and to minister. The kings of the Old Testament, when you look at the CEOs of today, the CEOs of today have much bigger problems to manage and many more people too. The CEO's impact on culture, the entrepreneur's impact on culture is so much greater than the tribals, the tribal reach of thousands of years ago. That's the subject for another time. But even if that weren't true, you're a king born into a royal priesthood. You're called to rule and you're called uh, to minister. And if uh, you're a woman, you're a queen born into a royal queenship, and you're still called to minister and to rule. That's your reality too. So what does this mean for us on a daily basis? Calling is something that we can either live in and abide in or not. The same way, in fact, at church here recently, they were talking about the, uh, the story of the Lion King, Simba, right? He was a king, even though he was not acting as a king. The same is true for you. You're called right now. And God has, I believe, specific time-bound assignments for you to do with him. Called in Christ, for Christ, unto good works that glorify Christ. That's great news. The key is learning how to abide in that calling, which is synonymous with abiding in Christ. The reason that we feel a disconnect between the unto, the higher aspirations of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit may have laid on your heart, but you have not known how to respond to, is because there is a disconnect between your nine to five, your work week, and your spiritual walk. And I do not say that to be condemning. I just say that as a reality. Most of us, it takes a discipline to every hour, every minute of the day, say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing here? Lord, what are you doing here? God, how do you want to order my day? God, what do you see me doing a year from now? What is the purpose of my company? How do you see the gifts that you have given me shaping the role that I have in this life up until the time that I pass on uh, to be with you in completion. We don't, we're not really good at doing that. 
And so the good news is that it's not formulaic, really. It's not hard. All we have to start doing is changing our heart's posture and doing so in a way that invites the Holy Spirit into our day. And so the way I like to do this is just by creating a sense of urgency. We're so familiar with this in in the business world. Uh, For the Christian that has a spiritual posture, and it just looks like this on Monday morning, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my days. I want to abide with you today. I want to fully embrace the covenant that you have given me in Christ. Teach me to understand the revelation of being a son or a daughter in your kingdom. And teach me what that means for the work that I do during the day. Because every calling has work associated with it. Every calling has work associated with it. There is no calling that is not connected to work. They're like gears. Work, if you look at like gears on a bicycle, one gear pushes the bike a chain forward and the bigger gear moves the chain and it goes back to the small gear. They're, in, they're, they're intimately connected together. A calling plays on work and work plays on calling. That's the genius of the way God is, has made it. The genius of it is that it's his spirit doing most of the work. <laughs> we, just have to, we just have to enjoy it and, and learn how to, to use it. So this week, how do you start participating in calling in a deeper way? Create a sense of urgency. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me that number my days. Start abiding with Christ in your work. That literally just means say, Holy Spirit, how do you see this? How do you want to work together? And then lastly, if you need to, start telling yourself that you are called in Christ. Because in reality, you are. This is a mindset thing more than it is a, an endowment. The endowment has been given. You're endowed. Uh, the, the full mantle of heaven is on your shoulders. And all you have to do is put it on. That's all you got to do is put it on. Okay, so this is episode one of a series that I'm going to be doing from the book Calling Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work. I hope you enjoyed it. Until then, think eternally. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.